Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's been a while. Hello, one and all. <laughs> I thought welcome you were going to have to even check your voice to make sure that it works. Yeah, I wasn't so sure. Um, welcome to After the Chicken Flag, <laughs> our F1 special series, yeah. which I think everyone thought had died a death. <laughs> because we haven't done one of these episodes in, I think, about four months. Um, Three races. Yes. Sorry, everybody. Um, let's just say 2022 is a busy old year for us, isn't it? I mean, you more than me in terms of international <laughs> travel. I'm still here on a Monday, but none of this equipment is here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I guess it's, uh, we shouldn't complain, or I shouldn't complain. It's, it's nice to be busy, um, but it has made recording these episodes particularly difficult because if you're new to After Checker Flag, you've never heard it before, essentially, Paul and I get together either on a Sunday evening, quite rarely, or more realistically, first thing on a Monday, morning to talk through the race that had just happened and all of our thoughts and feelings and contra- what's it called conspiracies conspiracies um or controversial opinions or controversial opinions because <laughs> we, we don't really know anything that we're talking about no no we're clueless we're you know we're, we tell anecdotes we're not we have no experience or expertise um but yeah most of the time when i've been traveling i've been watching the race on sunday and then leaving first thing on the monday mornings and paul's like hey mate on my way to the studio i'm like i'm in france um, it's not quite like that i think it's a little bit more organized shall we say There's a little never a wasted journey on my part <laughs> no it hasn't been a wasted <laughs> journey yet but apologies and, and we are trying to do something about this <laughs> or i'm trying to do something about this <laughs> but at the same time we did say that actually we do of course have things to talk about every week we talk about f1 non-stop via whatsapp <laughs> not an ad other text <laughs> services are available but Let's face it, I will just come and say, I think the last three races haven't been as thrilling as I some other. Four. Oh, God. Four. Did we do a Spain one? No, because originally we were, we were going to say, Spain and Monaco will do a double-header podcast. Yes. Then we were going to do Baku, Baku, and now we're at Montreal. Wow. So four, four races. races. We are dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We'll be yeah. back for the end of the season. That recap is happening. <laughs> what a great year it was. I don't know why. I'm just going to let's, let's go straight in. I did actually ask a recent live podcast event we did for the main show whether people thought this was a particularly exciting season of F1. Mm. And I wasn't surprised. Oh, I was surprised by how many people agreed with that statement that maybe the races or the, the results are getting a 
teeny bit repetitive in the sense that it seems like on a Saturday, Ferrari are almost unbeatable, at least Leclerc. Here he is, he's so quick. I don't know, he gets a pole just when you didn't expect it. Oh my God. The one lap wonder kid. One lap wonder. <laughs> and then on Sunday, it all falls apart. Either Red Bull use their ultimate high-speed advantage, well done them, bravo, and just sail past, or Ferrari absolutely fluff it on strategy, or Max just outdrives everyone, which again, <laughs> fair play. Like, I think all of those points are valid. And so it's, I think that's why, at least for me personally, and it felt like quite a few people during the live event, kind of were like, well, it's starting to be a little predictable and, and maybe lots of Hamilton haters or Verstappen fans or Vettel fans might be going, well, welcome to the party. Because <laughs> this is what we've had to endure for the last eight years. Maybe you're right, fine. But at the same time, I just think, you know, just want a bit of spice. I'm if Max runs away with it, Max runs away with it. But let him get pole, so at least we know he's going to run away with it on the Sunday. <laughs> what I don't like is Stop the false hope. Us. Yeah, it's the false hope. <laughs> That's what's killing me because I go into Sunday, and be like, oh, it's going to be epic. It's Leclerc and Verstappen on the front row again. Oh no, now Perez is in there. What's going to happen? Russell's going to win a race, and no, just Verstappen just wins. <laughs> yeah, I think that has happened quite a lot over the years in general in Formula One. And again, we're going back to the beginning of this season where we find it far too easy to compare these early races where whilst you're fighting for championship points, it's still a points collection game. We're comparing it to the to the real peak and climax of last season and that excitement and on-track battles that whilst we do get a little bit of it in the current races that we've seen... I still feel like even in the pre-race interviews with Verstappen, like let's look at this weekend, for example, you're getting Alonso, you're getting Verstappen, you're getting Lewis, you're getting all of these guys that are excited about the prospect of getting in a Formula One car and racing, but they're all kind of running their own race in it. Okay, we're probably going to end up in P5. Alonso said it. He was like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. we're actually realistically looking at P5, but I'll try and get Max down the on the first corner, which he obviously didn't because he's old <laughs> and his reaction times aren't as good as Max. Don't say that because the amount of people I saw on Twitter just going in on us when Alonso got P2 in qualifying. Oh, see, like, I, I saw the other. I got a lot of oh, people. Oh, did you? Yeah, cool. Uh, okay. So I, <sighs> I think it's the false hope. That for me, the this season is playing out where it still feels like a lot of teams haven't really figured out the true potential of their cars yet, including Red Bull, because firstly, Max, I I'm going to say doesn't look as comfortable as Sergio in pure qualifying trim, except when it was in the wet, because my God, that guy was quick. Mm. Um, but, you know, he's not as dominant as he was in qualifying last year or the years before. In the race, he seems absolutely unflappable. Um but it's the fact that on a Saturday and even on a Friday, we get these glimpses of other teams being in the mix, whether it's Mercedes or Haas or Alpine or McLaren, like, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Like they've suddenly untapped something and oh, Sunday, this is going to be an upside down grid. And then Sunday comes along. And as I say, it all kind of goes away and Max just saunters to the front. And this is really not me as a Max hater. I think he's driving unbelievably mm. this year like the consistency is terrifying and there was no point yesterday that i think science was actually gonna lunge no. for Stappen. i was like he's not getting through no. even if he dive bombs him which he won't because he knows what Verstappen will do yeah he's known Verstappen too long he knows if he's going up there the facts will just drive him off the track like he looked way too in control but that just means that i'm constantly left with a 
disappointment feeling where if on Saturday Max was as dominant as he was on the Sunday, at least I'd go into the race knowing, okay, well, Max has probably won it. Let's look at what's going on behind him. Whereas I, you know, driving back from Mila Emilia yesterday was racing home thinking, oh, is Alonso going to win a race? Is Alonso, the oldest man in the world, actually going to win a race? Well, you're right. I mean, he wasn't and he knew that. Um, so I think that's why I feel a little deflated by the season because I feel like there's this, this untapped potential or this promise of this kind of, you know, uh, competitiveness, which doesn't on Sunday seem to come through also because Ferrari are just absolutely incompetent. Yeah. I mean, it's falling apart. Was it 75 points Leclerc's lead at mm. one point this year? 70, at that point, we were all like, oh, there has never been a championship <laughs> lead. Over, like, this is it. He's won it. It's Leclerc's to lose. Well, he's lost it. And <laughs> yeah, six races. I mean, absolutely falling apart. Maybe that suggests it could all flip a turn again. You'd hope. But, or think, but also, Red Bull, because of the practice they had last year, having to turn up every single race weekend and not make a mistake, they've almost they've they've got to this point where everything is robotic they can develop and be as clinical as they need to be that is obviously far superior than ferrari backstage what is going on They're behind the doors of ferrari i practice, genuinely I think. think they all need to be fired yeah. <laughs> i genuinely oh, no. yeah i think they they prioritize a glass of wine yeah. <laughs> Such over. a stereotype, but probably true. <laughs> over. I mean, I've heard stories coming out of Ferrari and Lamborghini about Friday afternoons. <laughs> I, I think they are just, they've built a great fast car. The rest of the team is not there yet. They just look out of practice at being that competitive. Out of depth. Out of their depth. Yeah, and to be fair, even if you go back to the Alonso years or the Vettel mm, years, yeah, they've, yeah, exactly they've the not same. always been the strongest at the strategy calls. Like, we've nope. seen many blunders. One was the Monaco year that they got kicked out of Q3, was it, uh, in the first session because of wrong tyre choice or whatever. Like, this is, this is a theme mm. post-Braun, Todd, Schumacher era. Which is why I kind of feel like, in the world of football, mm -hmm. if a management team behind the actual team that are playing the sport aren't performing they get six nine months max so at that point there's got to be a, a sort of um an appraisal from higher up to be like come on you're all out well, the problem is at Ferrari, and we all know I love Ferrari. I'm not sure higher up is much better. I mean, we all know. I mean, that's been changing a lot recently, anyway. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's Young Elkin at the minute, isn't he? I think he's in top, top dog seat. And I don't know. I, I football. I don't think personally you can make the comparison football manager to team principal because how many people are in the backroom staff of a football team? More than you would think. More than I would expect. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my point being because that- Because you think there's probably one an assistant? No, 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 no. <laughs> I would, of course, imagine there's 20, 25, 30 people, managers, coaches, physics, all of that stuff, but it's always the- the manager that gets fired, right? The, the Mourinho's. The but then most of the time, he he will have a team a around team him that, that goes with him. Okay, fine, fair enough. He doesn't operate as a lone wolf. My <laughs> so I watched the uh, you're like you're gonna like oh, this. Come on, here we go. I watched the Alex Ferguson documentary oh, yeah. on one of my flights to Canada. I found it really fascinating. Yeah. Actually, really, really enjoyed it. And 
the way that he had that long-term plan and he saw that it was a, a three to five year journey to turn Manchester United around. I think maybe it took a bit longer than he was originally expecting, but whatever. And this is the thing with Formula One, you know, there's so many people and it's such a culture, such a working culture that needs to be implemented. And if you look at uh, McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull success years, dominant eras, Mercedes as well, it's inputting that work ethic and that mentality that takes such a long time, not only bringing the best people, and, and Stroll's talked about this with Aston Martin, and clearly not working yet. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but that's what he's trying to do, is right. implement an entirely different mindset. A new with era. The best, and a new era, which I think, let's face it, maybe he should have just left at the old era. Um, <laughs> but these things take change. And, and if you look at Ferrari, uh, Bernotta's been there for donkey's years, but before that, they went through that weird change in there, Arriva Bene, and I, I actually forget all the names of all the different people that have ran Ferrari, because they did that football mentality. And I think they've got to stick, because one thing they've done is build a quick car. Mm. So if they build a quick car, they, they now just need to go, oh my God, we, we need strategy. Yeah, yeah. We need to consistency, we need reliability. And I think Benos come out saying, this wasn't, our goal for this year was competitiveness. Build a fast car. Yeah, we weren't looking to win the championship this year. Our goal was to be competitive. And I think that early Isn't that what form, you say when you've just thrown away the whole championship much, in yeah. six races? I think that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And, and I think that's it, you know, uh, 75 points at the start of the year, clear, Red Bull having some issues, Leclerc taking advantage. Everyone was like, oh, it's done. Mm. Maybe Ferrari themselves were like, well, we can't maintain this. Like, yeah. like, And the thing is, I think Red Bull have got this ahead of them. I think there's going to be reliability, well, I saw reliabilities early mm. on. I think, Issues are going to... I mean, Perez retired as well. Yeah. yeah. Issues are going to keep coming back. They're going to run out of components. There's going to be penalties. But on pure driving standards, do you think Verstappen is driving better than he's ever driven? Mm -hmm. I would agree. Yeah. And that part, I think, up against Leclerc, hungrier than ever, and Sainz with a point to try and prove, I, I just think Verstappen's becoming unbeatable this year. But I actually think take away his one, I wouldn't say it's a weakness. I'd say it's something that his driving style can sometimes when he's going up against wheel to wheel racing, we've talked about it in the last season, Verstappen's aggressive nature of his wheel to wheel racing and his actual race craft is um, not really being shown this season because he is just racing either himself Perez or he's 20 seconds up the road and managing his tires so it's very easy to say oh he is he's untouchable he's not making any mistakes and I actually think he prefers to be under a little bit of pressure I think he enjoyed that final 10 laps of the race yesterday with signs right on his tail where he had to push flat out and go 110% more than he did the 55 laps where he was kind of cruising I think that's actually where he thrives um the problem is, and what we saw over last season, is he never necessarily had the right answer for how to deal with Lewis. Um, so whilst Mercedes aren't necessarily in the picture, because I think give Russell and Lewis a competitive car, a reliable car, then I think I think uh, Verstappen and Perez would f start feeling the pressure. But then again, I'd probably back Verstappen to not crack. Yeah, I, th I, I think... It would be so, it's a really good point you make, I think, because it's so interesting that- I just don't feel like Red Bull think Ferrari are a threat. Therefore, I think they're really, really relaxed up front. And I don't, from body language, since Saudi Arabia, 
I don't feel like Verstappen sees Leclerc as a threat. No. I mean, okay, fine, pace advantage or whatever it might be, or, or racing tactics. He's been able to cruise past him when he's needed to with DRS, and there hasn't been a much of a fight, and Leclerc hasn't been able to put up much of a fight. So, but, but then again, you know, with science yesterday, it didn't, I just, to me, it didn't feel threatening. Whereas you're right, I think, maybe not necessarily in Lewis's hands just yet, but definitely in Russell's mm. hands, and we saw it at Barcelona. You put you you have that car consistently quick, or you make it quicker. I think Russell elbows out is going to be a problem for Verstappen. Hundred percent. And and I think Charles, as much as I adore the guy, I just don't get from body language that Verstappen's that threatened by mm. him. Where because of the DRS issues in Barcelona, because of George's driving style, I think Verstappen was like, "Freaking hell, get this guy out of the way!" Like yeah. you know, some of the defending and stuff, and so. You know, and we we would hope as Hamilton fans that once Mercedes dial that car in and it makes it his driving style, he can adapt his style for that car. He's going to be there or thereabouts. And I would say he did have the pace advantage on Russell this weekend. Qualifying, I know he got lucky because Russell went on the slick tyres and up until then there was a tenth maybe towards Russell in favour of Russell. But over race pace, correct me if I'm wrong because I missed the first 20 laps or so, it didn't look like... Russell had an answer for Hamilton's race pace. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Lewis got lucky with the virtual safety car pit, but okay. then Russell also got it. Okay. Um, and I know that post-race, Toto was saying that obviously George has had an incredible uh, season so far, given the race pace in the car. Um, but he has also come out and said, like, Lewis would have been on the podium on many of those races if it wasn't for an unlucky, untimely safety car. Either he'd just come into the pits or he'd just missed, missed the pit window. Um, so it's, I think yesterday during the race, Lewis was the faster driver over Russell. Um, but as a season, 100% so far, Russell's, Russell's been, had the upper Russell's hand. Russell's been quicker. You know, comfortably had the upper hand. And, you know, so, so reading is that what you will. I've, I've always said he has to be. You know, this is the next generation. This mm. is the, ki the upcoming king, you know, uh, Mr. Saturday becoming Mr. Sunday. Like, he has to beat Lewis or at least be on a par with Lewis. Otherwise, they might have well kept Bottas. Like, yeah. you know, so, so that's his job. I do believe that, Lewis is adapting, will adapt. Uh, I still expect more performance to come from him. Maybe it won't though. M maybe it won't. Um, but yeah, he's been unlucky. And I think uh, we've still got more to see from Mercedes. I was going to say next race. Mm -hmm. Silverstone. If, because they're talking about this smooth tarmac being Ooh. super helpful for the Mercedes. And Toto is actually pretty, pretty pumped for it. If we see a competitive car from Mercedes knowing the swing that is capable from Leclerc to Verstappen. Could you see Mercedes competing for the world championship at driver and constructor over the rest of the season? Do you think they've left it too late? No, because Russell's what? Nothing. Uh, under 20 points from P2 in the mm. championship or something like that. Russell's in the game. Mm. Uh, Lewis, I think, may be too far back at this point. But I do think Russell's in the mix because of the inconsistency of the others, reliability and inconsistency. We keep, you know, the top five stat means that he's properly in the game. Um, Lewis to fight for the championship needs a miraculous turn of events. A miracle. A miracle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the guy's, you know, I'm sure counting himself out of, of the championship already. But I don't want to say no because of the, as you just mentioned, the swing that we could have. Mm. The one thing Mercedes have had is reliability. 
my God, I mean, I think they've had rock-solid reliability where Ferrari and Red Bull have not. But they need to come out at Silverstone with an update package yeah. that makes them one and two on the grid and first and second in the race. Yeah. If they're there or thereabouts and a bit more competitive and Russell's- Best of the rest. <laughs> you know, yeah, best of the rest or, you know, another sort of half lucky podium through yeah. retirements or, because let's face it, if Leclerc didn't have the engine penalty, oh, yeah, yeah. would they have been in the podium? Probably uh, not. Probably, he probably would have crashed though. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and so they've been, they've been talking up Silverstone for a long time. I think since Barcelona, they've been saying Silverstone is where we're aiming for. Lewis is like Silverstone's. So they've obviously got some upgrade coming. They clearly think that track will suit them. I think Red Bull have already come out saying, yeah, we, we, we kind of see Mercedes coming at Silverstone. But I think for that to be a real swing in the championship, yeah, they, they have to, they have to win. Yeah. They have to and win. Dominate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And like properly like, oh my God, like, was it Barcelona free practice when they were genuine? Russell was genuinely yeah, first yeah, or second. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, they, they yeah. find if we could. Yeah. That, if that goes into Silverstone and we see it throughout the weekend. But I just get the feeling that car is so track specific. And when we had that Barcelona weekend where they seemed super competitive, it's like, oh my God, they got on top of it. We then go to Monaco and it mm. all falls apart yeah. again. So, and Lewis said on the radio yesterday, car was a bit better today. The pace was good, but the car was only a bit better. And for him, not necessarily for Russell, it's about him feeling good in the car. And we've spoken about it on this podcast before, sharing other people's expertise rather than our own. <laughs> it's about the driver feeling at one with the car. Max is one million percent in race conditions, so at one with that Red Bull. Uh, in qualifying, you've got to say that Sergio's right there with him. Um, and I don't think Lewis is, is there, even if the car gets quicker, I don't think he's been able to adapt to these new regs as quickly as, as Russell has or, or, or some other drivers. So let's see, let's see. But I think, I think it's, oh, we've got a long way still to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's kind I of why I, I, I get slightly excited, but at the same time, looking at what happened after the safety car came in yesterday, and even though it looked like Maxwell's being pushed down the road by signs, like you said, there wasn't really that threat that he was ever going to get past him, which worries me slightly, unless, again, reliability plays a factor, and Red Bull have built an incredibly fast car down the straights and through the corners, but it's that highly strung that there's it's prone for failure. But Ferrari to not inherit a championship a la 2007. Sorry, Kimmy, I do love you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they have to go out and win it. They can't, they, you know, they've got to iron out these issues to pick up maximum points when things or if things go wrong for Red Bull. They can't afford to fluff it themselves with reliability and strategy issues. So that's where it's like, you know, we need to see something change over the next few races. And look, you know, we could all get to the summer season with one situation and we've seen plenty of years before where that all changes in the second half of the year. But I do think, yeah, for, for, it's getting critical now for Ferrari to beat Red Bull, to get a victory um, over Verstappen, um, to sort of lay, lay down the marker again and say, we're still in this fight. Mm. We're not just absolutely giving it up. So, well, look, to move on from the front of the field, I was I was going to jump straight in and be like I don't know what you've got in terms of whether we've got any sort of structure to this Not podcast really. but <laughs> after qualifying at Montreal and everyone getting so excited about Alonso I was like hold on a minute has a P5 and 6 last season the, the season before the season before the season before they were minutes behind the rest of the field after races and all of a sudden 
it's almost expected that they're in the top 10 for qualifying. And K-Mag had his race ruined and having to come into the pits to change the front wing, which came from a collision with Lewis, actually, on lap one. And Schumacher doing a classic Schumacher thing of just retiring. Fundamentally, though, I just kind of was like, how's no one really getting more and more excited or wowed by what Haas must have done behind the scenes in the build-up to these reg changes? I just thought it was so cool to see them P5 and 6. Well... You didn't, you know, there wasn't really a plan, but somehow our minds have aligned. <laughs> Fantastic. Because That's why we're co-hosts. Everything, <laughs> it is. <laughs> everything you said is true and fantastic and we're going to exploit or Moving on expand. Then. No, no, no. <laughs> but of course, they are ninth out of tenth in the championship with 15 points. Mm. That's a disaster. Aston Martin are beating Haas in the championship. That is mad, actually. Because you're right... All of this Magnussen's pace, uh, acceptance of Haas in Q3, regular top six positioning for Magnussen, just being like, yeah, they're really not delivering on it. And actually, this is, I think this is a problem for them. This is, now Mick has been having his issues, one too many crashes, but they have some serious reliability issues and a string of bad luck. Like, that they should not be in that position. No. In my head, Haas were going to be fifth or sixth in the championship. I, I was going to say even above McLaren. Well, McLaren are fourth. Wow. I, like, I have no idea how that's happened mm. because in my mind, McLaren have not been scoring considerably, yeah. consider, consistently enough to be fourth in the championship. And it's tight between fourth, fifth and sixth. McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, 65 points, 57 points, 51. I thought Haas would be in there. But no, then drops to Alpha Tauri on 27, Aston Martin on 16, and Haas on just 15 points. Mm. Williams in last with three. And that's my, that's my question. So your thing was, how are we not yeah. celebrating this more? What a turnaround. It's not worth it. But actually my thing is, Nothing how are they messing it up so yeah. much? Yeah. All well and good being quick on a Saturday. Oh yeah, P5, amazing. And you know, genuinely that was Schumacher's quickest quality, I think. And you're right. Unfortunate for him for reliability. Slightly predictable. Uh, <laughs> not that it's his fault. It was anyway. also in the wet. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Therefore, no, but I think that's even better. Well, yeah. It's even more impressive with the fact yeah. that he was right there with Magnuson. Yeah. You know, we saw plenty of other teammates flop it up. Mm. So that was good, but they're just not delivering. And we know Gene has got loads of money and nothing's <laughs> concerning, but... <laughs> You've finally got a quick car again. Yeah. You're competitive. You've got a driver, if not two drivers, who seemingly can deliver on a wet, wet Saturday. And you're ninth in the championship. Mm. You're, you're not really any better off than last year. Yeah. Sh- like, <laughs> shocker. Yeah. So I am really hoping they can figure that out because they're actually now a little bit too far away. I mean, look, if they both consistently start scoring, they could catch, sure, but 15 points to 51 in sixth place. And we know Alfa Romeo machines, like now Joe's bloody scoring as yeah. well. I, I I think that's bad reading. I think yeah. that's really sad and bad. And my question off the back of that would be, does Schumacher keep that seat? Because I would assume all of those points are Magnuson. Yeah. They are. He hasn't scored any points. I don't. Th- I don't think he has. No, because there's there's almost like it's very similar to when George was in Williams and everyone was willing him because he was getting P ten, P nine, and then obviously moving back in the grid during the race. I'm pretty sure from what I've seen on social, Schumacher hasn't won, hasn't got a point. Mm. So yeah, you're right. Zero points. Him, Hulkenberg, and Latifi. Um, <laughs> you know. Okay, retirement in Canada, unfair, but we did see a string of crashes actually between, uh, since we last broadcast. (laughs) Um, And bless it, we love the guy. Best name in motorsport, in my opinion. But they've got to start scoring more as a team. And you can't really all leave it up to poor K-Mag, who, to be fair, is 12th in the championship. What's he done? Race positioning, 5th, 9th, 14th, 9th, DNF, 17th dnf dnf 17th so it really kind of really downhill from miami (laughs) onwards from you know he scored fifth in bahrain ninth in saudi 14th in australia ninth and then and then literally miami onwards it's a disaster is that more teams figuring the car ties out maybe and has kind of staying stagnant because it would yeah I, i i actually was watching the saturday going this is incredible an incredible story for f1 to show that regs or the reg change can have an impact on teams that have struggled in the past and here we are here we have uh not necessarily a rookie but an inexperienced driver in mick schumacher right up there in q3 having the best time ever coming out of it and you can see how happy they both were to be there um and again having a unlucky race there's a 
couple of DNFs in there from KMAG as well, was it? 17th in Baku, or was he DNF in Baku? I think he was, oh, I've now lost there was that a page. But Haas yeah. are Ferrari-powered? Yes. And there was a lot of problems at Baku with those Ferrari. I, I definitely yeah, saw Yeah, I mean, they, they yeah. literally haven't scored a point since Imola. So Miami, Spain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, and Canada, they haven't scored a point as a team. So actually, it's the podcast that is helping them score points. The more oh. we create podcasts, the more points they're going to get. And if oh, you- I'm so sorry, yeah, House. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> all of all of that, um, I'm not going to say it, because it, it brings back the uh, driver from last year and the years before, how I was trying to get his dad to sponsor oh, the podcast. Oh, yes, let's leave that well alone. <laughs> uh, let's leave that well alone. Well, look, let's hope it turns around, because I think you know we all want Haas to do well, and it seems a shame for them to be yeah, not delivering on that, on that promise. Um, but speaking of delivering on promise, the thing we sort of missed and haven't really talked about, and now it's gone a bit quiet, was the whole Danny Rick sort of blow up mm. with Zach Brown coming out and saying he's not delivering, and is he going to stay with the team? And it was sort of particularly vocal around Monaco, wasn't it? Like, yeah. oh, he's really struggling, and this is a disaster. And we had every single pundit in the world talking about what they're going to do with Daniel Ricciardo. And I think the Indy 500 also brought a bit of pressure with that because we've got some very quick young drivers over in, in IndyCar, uh, Palou and uh, O'Ward, um, that I think maybe are starting to put a little bit of pressure, potential pressure, um, uh, on Ricardo. I listened to a podcast that he did with uh, Dak Shepard called Armchair Experts, like a celebrity interview podcast. And it was done before that. I think it was recorded in Miami in, or just after Miami. But he talked a lot about last year's people slagging him off. Um, and that he, you know, tries to use it for, for fuel and, you know, finds it amusing how you can go from hit last year, for example, he was, he had that Renault mega season in 2020, uh, when everyone goes, God, he's really yeah. the best driver on the grid. Like what, what a talent. And then he goes into a 2021 disaster seat at McLaren. Everyone goes, oh, he's lost it. He had better performance in Canada. I think we could say. Yeah. What was the race before Canada? Baku. I think he was fairly solid in Baku as well. Wasn't he? Yeah. I, I from, it's quite, it's suddenly, suddenly gone very quiet. The whole kick Ricardo out yeah. nar narrative. Yeah. I'm actually, it's very, very bad how our memories work in the short term. I'm struggling to remember. I've got the feeling that Danny Rick was outperforming Lando in the last four races. That's interesting. So he had an eighth in Baku. I think he finished just behind Lando from, okay. from from memory, Canada 11th, and I think Lando was 14th or something. I know Spain, Lando is Ricardo versus Narius. Whilst you Google that, can we talk about Alonso's shithousery? Just like... Please. <laughs> I just don't think he cares about the rules anymore. Just, yeah, I think he's here to take the piss, isn't he? Yeah. He's just like, YOLO. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm, basically I'm, realize, I'm, gonna red, I'm gonna red flag this quality session because I've done a right, or I'm trying to help someone else, I'm gonna knock back someone up the out. Field. Um yeah, I, I just feel like he's there not fully respecting the I would say F one etiquette. <laughs> no, you're right. He just seems to sort of yeah, you're just Take the piss. Yeah, like, he's, he's like, a bit like, well, I've been a so, What are they going to do? Been, Give me a penalty. Yeah. Well, they actually are. Yeah, you got five seconds. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I don't think he you, cares. Did you see that on board as well? Well, I know of what he did. Yeah. No, is it bad? He snaked the whole way down the back straight. Yeah. He where, just doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like, I was watching that. I was like, that's actually disrespectful. He's making a mockery of 
the sport in a way. In a way, like there is an F1 etiquette and also you are driving to compete and provide the best results possible. But there becomes a point where if you do it once, it's like you're trying your luck, isn't it? You're like trying to push the line and see how far you can get. If you get a penalty, don't do it again. He's almost finding these loopholes or the gray areas in the rules where he's like, oh, like wiggle the steering wheel a little bit, lock up the brakes. Oh, I've gone off the oh, track. No. Sorry, guys. Car didn't do what I thought it would. And he's, he's, I don't know what he's trying to get out it's of a it. Dar- it's L plan. Yeah. It's L plan. Yeah. It's a bit, a bit of a menace. Yeah. And, and it, you're right. And it was like that whole chat when he got P2 it was, was like, you know, what, what, what's your get? And he's like, oh, I'm going to send it. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to launch yeah. him. I'm just going to launch him. Like, and you're right. I think he's been in it long enough and he's at such a point in his career, he's just like, oh, don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. It's like, was it Barcelona where he launched it around the outside of the corner, like cut the track basically? Yeah. Pretended like he, you know, pretended like he was forced to go off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, it, it is a bit of a, uh, besmirching, is that right? But it's just a dick dastly move. Mm. And, and it, you sort of see, it is a bit of a mockery, but I think, He's doing that to highlight how maybe silly F1 has become in his mind. What have you found here? This is the, uh, this is him snaking. So it's on the back straight going towards the chicane. I think this is, let me see if I can get the clip up of when it's, so I think, yeah. This is him in front of Bottas or yeah. Oh yeah, he literally looks like he's warming yeah, up his tyres. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like blocking, oh, yeah. blocking nearly, the overtake, obviously launches him into the wall. Yeah, the Alpha's got DRS, so he's travelling at a faster pace. And considering you're allowed one move, that was about fifteen. Yeah, yeah, disaster. And and you oh, know what? Hmm. I say I, I saw people be like, "Ha ha, look, Alonso's yeah, still so yeah, quick." Yeah, as if it's funny. Oh, uh, not that. As in, like he's still on P two. Like, ha ha, oh, you're oh, wrong. Sorry, yes, we're yeah for an old man, like whatever. But. He is an old man. Yeah. And yes, he's quick, but that Alpine is getting quicker. And Ocon also looks handy in that car. Mm. Um, it's not the first time we've seen him maybe in contention for a pole position this year. Australia, he also looked like he was up there until he binned it. <laughs> um, so let's see, you know, it's kind of fun that he's there as almost like a Simon Cowell character, <laughs> just kind of mocking the sport and being like, look, I'm 42 and I'm stuck it on pole position. Like, <laughs> you know, and I just launch everyone. I don't care. Like, whatever. I'll crash into you. Or I'll win. It doesn't matter. And it's sort of semi-amusing, but it's also a bit like, I'll piss off a lot. Of <laughs> and I, there's been a lot of chat around Piastri, who I think we're all desperate to see in Formula One. And the big question over, you know, does Alonso stay? Does Piastri come in? What's the deal? And I think Otwar Zaf now came out kind of basically hinting that something's happening there. I think the thought is that he's off to Williams to sit next to mm. Albon. They're going to get rid of Latifi, maybe even mid-season get rid of Latifi and stick I, Piastri I in. I Latifi. This was his last race. Oh, bold. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. They were like, <sighs> out of respect. Off. We'll let you do Canada. We'll let you finish P19 in Canada. <laughs> wherever, so he ended, <laughs> wherever he ended up being. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe that would get Piastri in the Williams. Yeah. That could be Larry. Um, so, yeah, let's see. I guess we don't know if Alonso's continuing yet in general but um i guess he still thinks he's having fun but just balls me <laughs> yes, so much at what expense you know it's like all those things well, last time alonso was on the front row lando norris wasn't born like yeah. i was a bit like well then piss off <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like it's clogging up a seat um anyway so uh, let's wait and see what happens with him um but yeah plenty of other sort of noteworthy i guess drives 
over the last few years. But for me, last the, few years or yeah, last sorry, few last few weeks. races. My God, that's the exhaustion kicking in. <laughs> for me, the question mark still hangs over Aston Martin. Mm. And Vettel, I know we had a bit of a go a moment ago, half joking about Stroll and his kind of master plan, but. I think Vettel, you know, again on Friday showing such promise or, or even Saturday morning, was it showing promise in the rain? And then it fell all apart for qualifying. And that's a guy as well that I'm like, how long can he withstand those frustrations? Because you don't see the promise that Racing Point had and you don't see them taking steps forward. Amazing that they've sort of ended up in the championship where they are. But I don't know. I, I, I'm also a bit like, where does that plan start to bring fruition and how long does Vettel stick it out? Especially with all this kind of like, let's save the universe chat that he's yeah. on I think he's more conflicted than ever and if he goes who do you bring into that seat to give them any kind of credibility I mean Stroll obviously isn't going anywhere I just see so it more become, pain it, ahead it becomes a tricky position for that team to be in absolutely if they get rid of Vettel who obviously brings a whole load of love marketing potential credibility credibility noise on race weekends because if it wasn't Vettel in that seat, who do you put in that seat? And like you said, Stroll's not going anywhere, which is slightly sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's all right. But at the same time, his dad owns the bloody com the, the team. team. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you slot a Hulkenberg in there or you bring in another young driver, I think you're right. I don't think they're getting the airtime. No. I don't think they're getting the airtime. And I'm sure Aston know that. And if they don't, they need to clock onto it. But I just think... Vettel's motivation must be declining as well as his, you know, public profile around, you know, climate change is increasing. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And it's a sad one because we both said when Aston came back, how much we want them to do well, how much we wish for them to do well. Of course. And I just get so disappointed when I see them floundering yeah. around at bottom of, you know, end of Q3, so Q1 or Q2. They're just kind of nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And the, the longer this sort of frustration goes on with Aston Martin, the longer it seems Vettel's hair gets. Oh my God, the and man needs a haircut. Yeah, it's like... Disaster, getting a haircut, Getting a haircut isn't going to negatively impact global warming. No. So, sharpen up, mate. I don't know what's going on with him. He looks homeless. <laughs> he, he really is portraying... I think he's hoping that he will become so unrecognisable <laughs> that he can pick rubbish up at the end of a race weekend without being recognised no, or filmed. Him. You're such a good point. <laughs> Maybe he's, oh, look at that cute homeless man. Maybe he's transitioning. <laughs> to what? A homeless person? To a woman. Oh, okay. Well, we know, that's what Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Caitlyn Jenner did, wasn't it? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but look, uh, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. But we've got uh, a handful of races now left before the summer break. So my question to you is... I can't remember the, or well, I can tell you the exact point breakdown. Do we think anyone will catch Max before the summer break? Do you think we'll have a different person going to Leading. the summer break in the lead of the championship? No. Would you like me to have said yes? I won't. No, because I'm going to say <laughs> yes. This, uh, what happened to Sergio? Do we think that's Red Bull just like loosening some bolts because they don't want him to beat Max? I, I, I was driving here. Oh. I was driving here thinking that's your conspiracy corner red bull sabotage mm. that car just to knock him down a few pegs was it baku where he was like struggling to get out of the pit lane because of a fuel thing where was it that he was like oh but Toy perez like held you up a bit like mm. i just it stinks of previous seasons 
with Red Bull and Ferrari and probably Mercedes. I'm sure Bottas might, well, he's quite nice about his time at Mercedes, but... The moment you, as a team, favour, and I'm talking specifically Red Bull, because look at the contract Verstappen signed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love to see the clauses in that contract. Oh, and Perez's, which I'm sure also no, say, no, no, bow no. down. Yeah, oh, well, yes. But then he's still allowed to win races. Like, and this is, this is the thing. If the momentum swings and all of a sudden, because it's not just, it's not just like the driver feeling at one with the car, like you also have to drive with confidence. And those results and everything starts to snowball up and all of a sudden, you start to believe that you're at one with the car, maybe even before you actually are, and that gets you there. If Perez builds this momentum, and we've seen it, I think we saw it in Spain, where Max started to see red again. Like, the Wraith wasn't going how he... And, and that, I actually feel like Max prefers driving under pressure in P1 and and just dictating that race pace. Even if someone comes up behind him, I think he backs himself that he's faster and won't let them through. Um, and if they do get through, he'll try and run them off the road. Um, <laughs> so controversial. <laughs> but I think I think I think if you get the momentum running with Perez, um, Max will throw his toys out the pram, look elsewhere, be like, I'm going somewhere else then. If and, and all of a sudden, he's going to be making even more money. So I don't. So I don't for, then, right, as a Red Bull, you start un, un, loosening, yeah. loosening the gearbox. Oh, oh Christian oh, Horner. No, so yeah, so. that's like it's a gearbox problem, and hopefully it won't happen to Max. Well, obviously it's not because his is done up properly. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think Christian Horner pays Sky F1 by the way to speak to him? That's the most appalling. If like, it's not him, it's Jerry Halliwell. It's but like literally because there must be a financial incentive because we actually haven't heard from another team principal for about nine months. Mm. I don't know if he's the only one that's willing to... They've got to stop. They but, but it's I becoming. Saw the, tw- the, the tweet was, stop stop talking to Christian Horner. And if it's because no other team principals, just don't air him. Yeah. We, we, Sky F1 has become the new Michael Massey. Mm. He's like, what's it called? Um, brainwashing. Yeah. It's entirely his narrative. Yeah. Sky F1. But is that, do you think that's Red Bull? Because we talk about Red Bull as in the Formula One car, but... Red Bull are a a huge company, and as Sky Sports, do you see that as a as a as an incentive of look we we want to we want to favour them or we want to include them because there must be some sort of commercial. It agreement. doesn't make sense. I, I I think it's that he's the only one that will talk to them. Other team principals said, no, sorry, I'm too busy. And Sky have gone, it's great access to the team principal of the championship contending mm. team. And they've just thought People we want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, they want to see I'll tell you it. what I don't want to see is Jerry, his wife, mm. filming Max. I mean, what's she doing with that video? <laughs> I don't know what like, you're talking about. So... Max got out of the car and goes and runs over to his team and then like high fives Christian Horner and then goes and is there with all of the other drivers and kind of like talking to them and he's like laughing and joking with Carlos because that frustrates me so much. They're so competitive and then as soon as they get out of the car, they're they're best friends. Um, And Jerry Halliwell's there with her iPhone like filming (laughs) what looks to be like a bit of the sky (laughs) and then Max's head. I'm there going like, 
what's she doing with that video? Where's that content where, going? Where is that content going? Um, what's the point? You're you're there every race weekend. There are so many professional cameras around. Oh, oh. Bloody hell. Sorry, that was a bit aggressive, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. No, put your put oh, co co-host. Oh, no, you know who that is? Charles. <gasps> no, that's my Porsche dealership. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, I'm calling that. Oh, bloody hell. That, they better not be calling me for what I'm, I am not ready. Oh. Um, Hello, Sam. Your car's arrived. <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just, is she, okay, so is she in bed that night, like sending it to Mel B, being like, look where I was today? Obviously. I think you're reading too much into Jerry Halliwell's <laughs> phone filming techniques. Um, but yeah, let's get rid of Christian Horner. But going back to the original point, I think this is it. It's where I just, I think Perez was building such momentum. And if you're Red Bull, is there not a part of you that thinks, maybe not like let's sabotage Perez's car, but okay, let's put all of our attention back into Max to get him back onto his pace. We know he's our golden child. That's, and if that means spending a little bit less time or, or dropping the ball on a few bits of Perez, who cares? <laughs> well, like, when the car turns up in a million pieces, just like not spend as much time building literally, it. Literally, literally we spend more time on Max's yeah. car. <laughs> because it just suddenly feels like all the momentum yeah. has gone out of Perez now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a dodgy race in Baku, which there was some murmurings that there was something going on. He was protecting the engine or something. And then literally, a Can Canadian Grand Prix from hell. Yeah. And he'll probably have some kind of penalty going to the next race. So taking the wind suddenly, out of their sails. Taking oh the wind God. out of their sails. And as you're right, suddenly he's going to be going, well, what the frick happened to my championship campaign? Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so to answer it, you say no. I will agree with you. I think Verstappen will go into the Not summer Not to say break. that we both want someone to, to be leading. No, no. Yeah, I, I do. I would like somebody else to be <laughs> leading. Yeah. But I, I foresee... Max, yeah. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not necessarily a Max fan, and I think everyone knows that you're actually <laughs> a Max hater. Well, uh, you, no, got no, 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 no. you got that dartboard at home with the picture of Max. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, don't tell everyone about that. Well, but, um, you can't, you can't fault his uh, ability as, um, a world class uh driver for sure and actually i did see a, it was a cool interview and i did get a, an insight into um how he prepares for his in-car um driving and and it was i don't know whether it was an interview with david Coulthard, but you got a real insight into why he sim races and that i thought was cool okay. i then slowly started to become more interested in him as a person fair and it was cool it was cool okay. i'd i'd um strongly recommend you Check go and find go and find it because it does give you a, a different perspective on max more so than just seeing him this sort of being um a, i wasn't gonna say that <laughs> being a psycho <laughs> um, okay so well, look where are we at now we've got um silverstone coming up in a couple of weekends that we're both going to be attending yeah so fingers crossed if we're both here on the monday we're we can both do going a debrief. italian tea oh, hello <laughs> have you got a driver time maybe i'll get sound bites because i'm with the so i'm going with alfa romeo yeah with bottas and joe lovely so maybe i can get some sound bites to speak okay like, so subscribe to after took a flag. Yeah, I'll try and get something too because I'm going with. Well, Sean knows me because uh, he's okay, been on the so podcast if before. If I just if I say, say, "Hey, look, here's my friend. Show him a picture of you." Say, "Look." No, no, you can just say Sam. Oh, don't have to say anything. First else. name terms. Yeah, mate. Just I say. Thought, oh, just say Sam. Should I just Facetime you and you ask him for me? Probably. Okay. 
We'll I'll, have more, I'll more live from Minifog. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, try and get some sound. Like um, so yeah, so, so we'll hopefully both be able to jump on and do a bit of a debrief of our yeah. experience. Uh, Austria after, and then France. I love Austria. I don't know why, because I actually find the race beautiful quite- Beautiful track. Yeah. Boring race, beautiful yeah, track. Yeah. France, talking of boring races. <laughs> and then Hungary. And then we've got our summer break. Um, so fingers crossed. <laughs> what was that break that we just had then? <laughs> so spring, spring break. Spring break. <laughs> fingers crossed. France and Hungary, I've got to be honest, a little bit sketchy <laughs> at the moment, but we hey, will be hey, back with you. We got, we, got a good, uh, we got a good Hungary race last year. Yeah. I mean, oh, it, you're talking about whether you're going to be here exactly. or not. Exactly. Oh, All I'm saying is we will have future episodes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you're going to think this was actually better reviewing like catching up every maybe we should do it every full race weekends yeah but no i think we would enjoy doing it more because we just like, like talking about f1 so well, i don't get paid to do this <laughs> not do i we make about 23 pounds per episode this is purely a hobby hence yeah. why it sometimes gets dropped for actual work yeah. um, if anyone wants to sponsor after the good flag and make sure that we're get here after the race get in touch yeah. um that would be fantastic because we'd love to do this more often um but yeah anyway let us know your thoughts on the season so far uh, do you think we're idiots saying that it's sort of becoming a bit predictable are you loving this year is it just because we're not necessarily verstappen fans um but yeah so i reckon i reckon verstappen fans are enjoying this i'm sure they're they're seeing their driver for who he is Mm, i disagree uh (laughs) they're seeing their driver unchallenged but uh (laughs) anyway subscribe now so that when the next after the chicken flag episode comes out you don't miss it we just can't promise when it will be but it will be coming and as i say if we get some big lucrative sponsor hey (laughs) it'll be coming maybe even live maybe we'll do a watch along i'll do it Daily podcasts. Bloody hell, you don't want that, so (laughs) (laughs) don't scare the sponsors off. Uh, If you want to follow Paul, he's at Supercars of London or at Wallace PJW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And Tony and I will be back with you later in the week for a regular main show episode. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 